0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Keep Calm and Cope Corona Cast. We know that um, folks are at home and they're learning a new way of life and how to work from home and how to um, incorporate and integrate their work and family lives into one big happy um, thing to wrestle with each day, and so we thought we would take topics that you might be interested in hearing about, learning about, knowing more about or even um, suggest topics to us to discuss on this Keep Calm and Cope CoronaCast. Today's hostess with the most is Katie Barnard and she'll be discussing with us denial and coronavirus. Katie, thank you so much. Take it away.
1: Thank you very much. And before we get into, you know, denial ain't just a river in Egypt, um, Susan, as you know, maybe the only person I know who has actually had the test, I was hoping you could maybe walk us through what that process was like.
0: Well, um, not only is Denal not a river in Egypt, that test is not much fun. Um, and frankly, I'm a nerd, I love tests, but that not so much. Um, so what happened to me was I had been all around the hot spots. It was almost as it was crazy. I had been in Seattle, I had been in Minneapolis, Washington DC. Um, new Orleans, Louisiana, all during the time when this was just becoming a thing that we were learning about. You know, they they didn't realize it was different than COVID. It was COVID-19, a whole new beast. And so I landed back here in San Francisco and was really ill. I had been violently ill, uh, nausea and so forth in New Orleans. And when I got back to San Francisco, I had fever and an, an just an, an incredible dry cough, like through the night was... And I had no idea yet what the symptoms were. I had been focusing on my business and my travels and so um, was not paying attention to the news uh, about this disease. When um, I called my doctor to make an appointment, they asked me to come very early in the morning and fill out some paperwork. Um, And I thought that was really strange because I'd been before. I have a record there. It's not like Mm I need to fill out the paperwork. So when I got there, uh, as I was driving there, there in Palo Alto, kind of far from here, about 30 minutes, 20 minutes. And right as I was pulling in the driveway, I got a phone call from them and they said they are canceling the appointment and want me to go straight to the hospital in San Carlos. And I thought, oh, first of all, I was really mad because I was like, ah, oh, what a pain. I got to drive back the other way, 20 minutes. Right. So I did. And when I got there, they said, do not get out of your car. Call the special number. Someone will come to greet you. And I thought, well, this is freak show. And then I realized, oh my gosh, I must have the symptoms for Mm COVID-19. And so the guy um, came out to my car and directed me into the garage of the hospital where other people were turning right. I was asked to turn left and to stay in my car.
1: Was this guy in like full hazmat detail? What what, did he? Okay. Oh
0: yeah, out in California, we are, you know, hazmatted up um, for sure. So I got in line in my car. I mean, I stayed, you know, went the direction he told me to go. And this woman, again, you know, full on comes up to me and says, um, let me take your information. I said, but I'm a patient of Dr. So So." She said, um, we think you need to be tested for COVID-19 because I had shared my, um, my symptoms on, with my doctor. So, um, they made me drive to this special little station in the garage and y'all, let me just tell you, I've been in my car for now an hour and a half. I had to go to the bathroom so bad. I was done. <laughs> and they were like, stay in your car. I'm like, no, you don't understand. I mean, I'm going to wet my pants if you don't let me go to the bathroom. So I had to get escorted to the bathroom and he took me to this, like the physical plants bathroom, like this like old, you know, in the basement of the garage or whatever, so I came back and they put me in the car and then I drove up to be tested and they made me stay in the car, and this doctor again full hazmat um, mm-hmm. sticks this giant Q-tip like it's the biggest Q-tip you've ever seen on a stick. It was a swab, obviously, um, up my nose so far, and and the and the medicine, the chemicals on the cotton swab sting a little bit. You know, they're, okay. they're like woo. Um, And I swear she was poking around in my brain. It was really, (laughs) really, really painful. Um, And then she whipped it out and then did it again down my throat, which was not as big a deal. Um, No comment. I don't know. Um, But I wasn't expecting it. I was expecting it on my throat. You know, I wasn't expecting it way up near my eye. Um, But yeah, and that's how they did it. And then they said it would be two to three days for the results which I thought was ridiculous, but I understand they're overwhelmed and we don't have enough test kits and we don't have enough quest diagnostics and all that. Um, so I waited, I'm not one to panic about anything. Um, you know, I am a little worried about my mom. Y'all know she is, has dementia and she's in a facility that has active cases, but, um, I waited my two to three days and nothing. So then I called and they said, you know, it's gonna. I wrote them. They actually asked me to start writing because they have so many people calling. They now are having a private messaging center. So they wrote me back and said it would be um, three to four days, and then five to seven days, and then on the seventh day, um, I finally got my results, which were negative. Thank goodness. But she said I definitely had some other virus of uh, mm-hmm. viral infection. So um, at least that you know, it, I I feel. Relieved to know that I didn't have that, um but that doesn't mean I can't get it. I'm just like you are now, you know those who do get it and get through it have less of a chance of getting it suffering from it um so now I'm back to you know ground zero or square one
1: right, right,
0: Wow, so, short answer.
1: <laughs> Got it, so you've seen you know the quote from the president and others about getting the test. Do you feel like people are?
0: Well, the difference between um, his test and my test mm-hmm. is no matter how far up on him they go, I don't think they're poking any brain. <laughs> I'm
2: just
1: saying. Fair, fair point. Fair <laughs>
0: point.
2: <laughs> so Susan, um, I know that you guys are in lockdown in California and various states have taken different levels of, of those sorts of measures. Um, in New Jersey, we're similarly equipped, but um, we've started to have testing centers that are like drive-by testing centers. And I'm, I'm guessing you're doing some similar things in California. And I know they're recommending for us that you first call your doctor if you have symptoms and that for these testing centers that you go and you register online with them if you have symptoms. So really because of the limited, limited tests that they have, they'd rather that only the people that have symptoms get tested. Is that something that you're hearing out in California too?
0: Well, that's a great question, Lindsay. I think it's a, a only slightly different. So I was on shelter in place before shelter in place was a thing because of the symptoms that I had. So I've been cooped up for two weeks already. Um, right. But here, I live in the world's biggest biotech cluster. So fortunately for me, um, so, so for example, Verily uh, is an alphabet company and they're in my city and they called my husband and said, we'd like to do drive-through testing. Um, it ends up, they ended up doing in San Mateo, which is down the street from me. But yes, we have that, um, and we have a lot of universities and institutions that can create these tests, and um, the federal government hasn't been responsive. Or, <clears throat> for example, my son's school, Berkeley, uh, could have created these tests and started testing people way long ago, but the federal government was like, no, no, you know, not taking this seriously, not compliant. So we were late in the game, but we did have the... Um, the brain power and the uh, you know the medicine, the chemicals, the test kits, that sort of thing. Uh, we don't have enough PPE. I'm sure you've heard that across the nation. So right. more of that would be better. But yes, we do have drive drive through testing sites throughout California. Um, and the hotbed here is, or at least it was, it may not remain uh, Northern California, wherever the dense population, like where you are, um, New Jersey, New York, lots of people, uh, in, in a small area. I know, you know, that's, that's a, you know, a factor, a big factor, but yes, to answer your question, we do have drive through. Um, I've been on lockdown for two weeks now, but since I work from home anyway, I'm used to the insane feeling of working from home. (laughs) Not much of an adjustment for me.
2: How about you, Katie? What are you seeing in, uh, You're in Oklahoma or Kansas?
1: I'm in Kansas City. Kansas City, okay. Um, And, you know, very frankly, I had to kind of take a step back from the deluge of local news that seems to change every 15 minutes. Um, We had some drive-through clinics that opened and then quickly closed. Um, I think they were overwhelmed by demand. I think they also had some communication challenges in terms of to be tested at these clinics, you had to have a prescription. You had to be referred by a doctor.
2: Oh, wow. Yeah, Um, that's the same thing.
1: But I imagine, like, once news gets out that you have a drive-through clinic, you're just going to get overwhelmed with people who don't know the protocol.
0: That's true. And you have to have doctor's orders to get the test. So what's happening is during these drive-throughs, the doctors are assessing whether you get the test or not, which is a big waste of everybody's time if you – haven't already gotten doctor's orders to get the test. Yeah, right, right. I I'm yeah.
1: imagine the traffic and just, yeah, that's a mess.
0: Yeah, even on the
2: local level, we're having difficulties with, um, our emergency services are having a decontamination area and <clears> local <throat> people are coming with their personal vehicles and our police had to put out an announcement this morning that it's not for people's personal use, it's only for emergency services vehicles. Wow. Yeah, I
0: think the messaging. So, so I don't know if you agree. And, and this is part of what I love about this podcast is we're all in different places across the country. But I think that um, the messaging, or maybe it's more than the messaging, it's their actual plan or lack of plan um, across the states is so dis- different. I know that mm-hmm. that I mean, this, this disease doesn't know any state lines, it doesn't know any state laws, it doesn't know any political parties. I mean, it really, we needed to have a consistent across the country, shutdown, lockdown to really, now I'm no doctor, but it, you don't have to be a doctor to understand the math behind this, you know, flattening the curve is math,
1: COVID-19. I, I live um, pretty much on the state line of Kansas and Missouri. I'm on the Kansas side. And our governor, you know, declared statewide, you know, stay at home orders shut down the schools pretty early, etc. The Missouri side, um, as of just a couple of days ago, still hadn't and oh the, governor, my God. the governor, I mean, and this is a, a state with Kansas City and St. Louis with with large areas. Right. Um, the governor had this inane comment that he wanted to take it day by day and to incorporate the input of all Missourians. I'm like, I don't want the input of all Missourians here.
0: All Missourians are <laughs> scientists. What no. A- oh my and so
1: God. while Kansas City, while our metro, our mayor um, has been very aggressive in shutting down the side of Missouri that he controls, I could drive for 15, 20 minutes and go to a bar go to a restaurant. Um, It's, it's insane.
2: That's
0: crazy dangerous.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I know our governor has really shut down any of the local municipalities that have made that have tried to make different decisions than what our state decisions have been. So um, we've been very proactive in that. Although some of his decisions, even though he's been working closely with New York and Connecticut have been fairly, Open, um, you know, things like garden centers have been considered essential businesses at the moment, which I think people have sort of disagreed with. Um, so I think, considering we are at the moment the state with the second highest number of confirmed cases, um, we could probably stand to uh, close down a few more things.
0: Lindsay, that's crazy. Yeah, I, I think that you know they don't understand this is airborne. I mean, you know, it it lasts on on surfaces like plastic and hard surfaces for three days it lasts in the air for three hours this has never before been a thing it's not like the flu i mean y'all i talk about the fact that i'm from louisiana uh back to the denial factor here Um, i have lots of friends and family members in louisiana who are like denial is way more than a they might not even know it's a river in egypt but (laughs) um way more than a river in Egypt this one um niece of mine was like well I have to get back to work you know I'm a busy person and I work at a big chemical company and they need me and I'm like I just don't get it it's not rocket science but it is science I mean the the average person can understand how deadly this is just think of proxemics you know So it's very upsetting to me, um, but I can't fix stupid, so.
1: <laughs> well, on that note, maybe we, we talk a little denial ourselves, ladies.
0: <laughs> um,
1: you know, I loved reading about this topic and something that really hit home to me and made it really meaningful was that denial has a really clear purpose as we process grief. And that is to kind of prepare our hearts and minds to process something big. Um, to kind of keep us numb for a little while um, until we have the capacity to take on something sad or scary. Um, so, to just to open us up, do you remember or are you still in denial about the coronavirus?
2: I'd say for me that there definitely was a period where I was in denial very early on. I, I'm obviously not still there now, um, but because we had this big conference that we were planning and I really, really wanted to make it happen for financial reasons for my company. Mm -hmm. um, I was in this period where I was hopeful that if we made certain decisions, like if countries where there were hotspots, we could suggest to those delegates that they didn't attend the conference um, if the numbers were at a certain level, we could say, you know, okay, well, as long as the governments of these countries are still saying they're at a travel one advisory, we can still let this happen. Um, you know, I was trying to move a lot of, of different pieces to make sure that it could still happen and and thinking that it wasn't really that big of a deal. And then there was one day where I woke up and i had probably 10 people cancel that morning before i had gotten up we're we're an international organization so i get a lot of emails first thing in the morning from overseas um and i and i just immediately like hit that level of acceptance and i was like this is happening i have no choice in the matter i realized that a lot of things were out of my control, and i I needed to move into that level of acceptance and just deal with the situation as it was and mm-hmm. figure out what those next steps were and It was funny because when i when I hit that piece that that state of time and mind, I felt so much peace that all of the anxiety that I had leading up to that and all of the work and stress I had done mm-hmm. to try and make this work in the way that I wanted it to immediately went away. Um, I had been losing so much sleep and working so many long days to try and, and make it be the way I wanted it to be. And finally, when I got to that point, I was like, okay, this is you know this is the way this virus is working. Yeah. Governments are making decisions I have no control over. Other people need to feel safe and secure and I can help with that. So let's just move forward with this. And once I got there, I could accept everything else that was happening around me too. And it was, it was really funny once I got there, like everything else, you know, the not being able to leave my house much going, you know, not going to the grocery store, all of those things. Like I was able to accept all of those things at once.
0: That's awesome, Lindsay. What about you, Susan? Well, I think for me, it was a little different. I am a realist. And I think that because I'm a research freak and am in, you know, I'm married to someone who's in deep in government. So I was getting a lot of behind the scenes stuff that hadn't gone public yet. I'm very accepting of good and bad and everything in between. It is what it is, is sort of my, you know, uh, which can annoy people, I know. Um, I try to hold back on all this fact-based stuff sometimes because they feel like um, I lack feeling, which is not true. Y'all know me. So you know that I'm very much a feeler. Um, Mm -hmm. But I will say this, I will say that we have to be careful. Um, Like I see some people that say, well, I hope blah, 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 or COVID-19 is hard because change is hard. And I'm thinking, I'm adding the inflection and the tone. This is really through writing that I saw these comments. So I'm imagining, I'm projecting. This is what I'm thinking they're saying and how they're saying it. But I'm thinking you're trying to be positive or else you don't know the facts. Um, Hope is not a strategy. You need to get real. And here's what you you need to do. Um, So it's really annoying. And then for someone to say, you know, COVID is hard because change is hard. No, COVID is hard because people are freaking dying. You know, that's why COVID is hard. So get real, study the facts, process them without paranoia or fear, understand the realities and be prepared, prepare your mind and your, your body and your family and friends. And um, just, you know, no, for me, being armed with the facts is very, helpful. Um, not knowing the facts is bothersome. The unknown is is hard for everyone, I believe. Um, but so I wasn't really in denial at any point. Mm-hmm. My father was a pathologist. Um, and he, you know, I lived my life in a lab. He was also a coroner. I would go with him. You know, he, he'd be like, hop in the car, honey, we got a floater. You know, not a really normal childhood, really but it sort of desensitizes you to uh, things like this. So I was very accepting early on.
1: Interesting take. And we'll have to come back to that floater maybe in another podcast.
0: <laughs> I know Liz, you know, <laughs> <love> that stuff.
1: <laughs> I, you know, I listen to the daily, the, the podcast from the New York Times every day. And so at the beginning of the year, you know, they had these dispatches from Wuhan. And I remember thinking like, oh, yeah, that sounds bad. Yeah. And then you, you hear that, you know, it's maybe starting to come to the United States. Oh, that's that still sounds pretty bad. And then I remember hearing on the daily that it was really hitting China hard because they had such a high percentage of older men who smoked. And so I thought, oh, well, you know, we're not older men. We're not smokers. Everything's going to be fine. Um, and the, the closer it gets when there are cases in your county, when there are cases of, of people your age. Um, that really that breaks you out of the of the denial stupor. Well, you're,
0: um, you're, that's fine that you felt that way though because they've never had this before. There was no, you know, there's there's no expert on COVID nineteen. Right, only Fauci is learning from what happened in China.
1: Absolutely, and bless that man. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, keep him safe.
1: Absolutely, um, Lindsay. Did you feel like you had separate stages of denial? For the threat of the virus itself like the health threat and then the lifestyle threat. Um, you talked about how you were kind of processing everything in the context of this this conference. Did you feel like you processed the whole enchilada at once or was it really in stages of the germ and then lifestyle
0: change?
2: Yeah I would say the health threat definitely came separately because early on um I really didn't consider myself in the vulnerable population because I felt like, you know, I'm in fairly good shape. I did have some hip surgery earlier this year, but I, you know, that was almost 12 weeks ago and I, um, you know, I'm a runner, not at the moment because I'm still recovering, but um, you know, I I eat fairly well. I still am, I'm working out. Um, And so I felt like, you know, I... I am a very serious rule follower. Anybody who knows me knows that I'm like very type A personality. So I was like, I know I wash my hands. I do all the things that everybody suggests that I do. Um, And then it, it, as I read more about it, I realized that, um, you know, they were talking about people who have asthma as being in that immunocompromised population. And I have exercise-induced asthma. And then especially um, for most people in the legal community know that um, the founder of Above the Law, David Latt, mm-hmm. got coronavirus and has been in the hospital and then last weekend was put on a ventilator and they're trying an experimental uh, drug treatment program for him, which has seen some very modest improvements over the last couple of days. And you know, we're all obviously pulling for him and hoping that he uh, he gets better, but um I'm very similar to David in that he has exercise induced asthma. He's run a couple of marathons. So also in fairly good shape. Um, and that really hit home very hard for me. Um, because I thought that could easily be me. And it's really just a question of luck that I haven't come into contact with someone who has been exposed. Um, and he did. So, um, you know, I don't, and it really is, one of my friends is a, is a PT at a nursing home. And every time she goes to work, she calls it virus roulette. And that's how I think of it too. I mean, every time, you know, I go out and and I'm out in the world, it's, it feels like virus roulette. Um, And I'm fortunate that I don't have to go out into the world the way that she does and, and other healthcare providers and retail workers and other essential um, workers. But, um, you know, so I feel like it was sort of that that feeling of, of descent into reality. Um, And so I'm obviously much more fortunate than people that do have to expose themselves to this daily. And the fact that we do have such a shortage of PPE in this country is appalling and and terrifying for those people and their families. But um, at the moment, I feel like, you know, being in quarantine and taking the right steps puts me in a position where I'm not as much at risk as other people. So I feel extraordinarily grateful for that. Um, And I do try to keep that balance in mind where, you know, what I'm being asked to do being at home and and all of that is not as big a deal as what I know some of my friends are being asked to do and what other people who don't have the choice to, to stay at home are being asked to do. So, um, you know, trying to keep that perspective in mind for me has been, has been very important, but, Knowing in the back of the of my mind that you know I am immunocompromised, my mom is immunocompromised, my dad is immunocompromised. I have a brand new baby nephew. Um, you know, all of those things are um, are a bit stressful. Definitely,
1: absolutely, I, I relate to several of those. Um, Susan, is there anyone in your life who is still in denial, or maybe waffles in and out of denial, and how do you deal with them?
0: Well, I think I mentioned earlier some friends and family in Louisiana, and I probably should have been a little more ginger in my mention. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't know. I, I could perhaps be more ginger all around, but um, I think that, you know, you're not a scientist. If you don't trust the scientists. then I can't help you you know that they're gonna pray away the gay they're gonna pray away the coronavirus they're gonna you know that's great i believe in prayer i'm all about it but if you're gonna pray instead of uh, abide by the scientists you know um dictates and and so forth then i really i'm done i mean i don't know how how can i help you i can't you know so don't don't call me you know go do your thing but get away from me don't get me sick um, yeah. So I, I don't know how else to put that without sounding horrible. I'm a nice person, I'm a kind person, y'all know that. I'm a loving person. Um, but really this is this is over the line. These people are killing other people. I mean, their ignorance is deadly. You know, it used to be just harmless. Uh oh, then it elected a president that we have now, uh oh, and now it's killing people, oh God, you know? So um yeah, I, I don't even know what else to say without going dark
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> I saw um Lindsay I also have asthma and I saw my pulmonologist about two weeks ago and he mm-hmm. came in and shook my hand and I said oh yeah oh, nice. I, I said we're still doing that and you know I don't know if this was strategic denial and that he wanted to k- keep his patients calm yeah. or I don't know if this was his Cabot. actual denial uh, this is a, a medical provider. I think the world of, um, but he kind of you know laughed it off and did kind of the you know the old oh you know the flu can be so much worse and you know oh gun violence gun yeah. gun violence in Chicago may maybe more of a threat and um, again you know I've been rolling that around in my mind of, of was this intentional on his part is he having to say this over and over again all day to keep his patients from losing their minds um, or was he really just still in denial himself, and then I would love to know what he's doing now.
0: Right? Maybe it was just habit, you know. Not either. It wasn't as thought out, you, you know. Maybe didn't give it as much thought as you're thinking. Um, yeah. That is scary. <laughs>
2: It may even be a comfort to him because I think for a lot of medical professionals, it the the reality of what's going on is so overwhelming for them. And maybe even at, you know as you say, like, what is he doing now? That may have changed too. But oh, yeah. at that time, it may have just been, I can't even wrap my mind around the possibility of what this could mean. So I'm telling this to myself as much as I'm telling it to my patients. Yeah.
0: Well, it sounds like he so didn't study all the facts yet about... I mean, and he's the front line to the rest of us. Um, And he's,
1: and he is wonderful. He's probably the best doctor I have. Um, Yeah. And maybe, you know, maybe too, it's, he looks at me and it's like, you're 40. You're going to be okay. You know,
0: um, that's a myth, right? right?
1: I'm I'm aware, but who knows? But I've been rolling that around in my mind a lot
0: but well, i think in his time, defense in his defense no one knows like i said in the beginning no one really knew like that the myth that we just you know alluded to um they thought young people were safe from this and they're not so you know in his defense he didn't have all the facts
2: right i right. mean at that time 2 weeks ago as right. far as we based on the data that was the truth so Exactly. Um, you know, I think because, as as you said earlier in the show, that we we that everyone is is learning about this as we go, and and we've said before, none of us on this podcast are certainly scientists or experts on this, but um, you know, everybody is learning about this, even the experts. And so, um, you know, two weeks ago, based on the data that was coming out of China, it really was more affecting the elderly and the immunocompromised. Now we're learning that even healthy young people can be badly effective and badly affected and, and can even die from this mm-hmm. so I think everybody's just being much more cautious now than they were before because we're just learning so much more about it and but, and they
0: failed to think about how the results in China are skewed because they have so many more old people you know the population is so huge yeah so, same in Italy. yeah
2: yeah the population in Italy was much older too
0: yeah yeah exactly exactly so, everybody's learning. Um, don't shake your doctor's hand. No. <laughs> or anyone's <laughs> hand.
2: Don't shake anyone's hand. Right. right. for exactly. everyone. <laughs> but yeah, right. Dr. Lem, if
1: you're listening, I love you and stay
2: safe.
1: And let's talk this through on the other side. Yeah. Um, so, I'm a former reporter and we all work in marketing communications. Um, do you think the 24 hour news cycle helps or hurts? In a situation like this, when when people need to process a new reality, when you are bombarded all day with news, are you more likely to say, Oh, this is real, or more likely to have, you know, stimulation overload?
2: Lindsay. So I think it depends on the person. Yeah. I so I have a friend who is very dear to me, and she had a series of very, very serious panic attacks last week. Um yeah. And it really was, it was not just the news, it was also you know, the constant social media barrage. And um, so what she did was she started um, teletherapy for the first time, which was excellent. She went on medication for the first time, also excellent. She stopped all of her social media, um, barely used her phone at all, and she really got back to basics. She was doing four meditations a day. Um, really focusing on her family, taking walks outside. And she's really focused on, you know, this idea of what they always say on the airplane put the mask on yourself first. And I talked to her last night and she's doing tremendously better. But it took probably four days before she stopped having panic attacks. And I think, you know, it just depends on who, knowing yourself. Um, and I know for me, last week was very, Even though I've worked from home for 15 years, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I felt very unfocused. Um, I wasn't, I was ending up working very, very long days because I wasn't as intentional about my time. And some of that was because I was getting sucked into sort of the Facebook vortex of information. And some of it was news-based. Some of it was just, you know, friends posting articles from various sources, some legitimate, some just people's opinion. Um, And so I also had to be more intentional about stepping away from that 24 hour cycle of information. And so I'm also doing more meditation, yoga with a friend. um, And this week as a result has been tremendously better. So I think I know for Susan that she might have a different opinion and I'll obviously let her speak for herself. Some people crave that information and it's really helpful to them to either reassure themselves about the things that are out there. Um, but I think for a lot of us, it just adds to that level of fear and anxiety, either confirming the fears that you have, or for some people too, they're they're just looking for information for confirmation bias. So you're either looking for the information that's going to tell you that you're right, or, um, you know, information... That's going to just make you spiral further into into more fear. So I'm not so sure that it is effective. Um, and I know a lot of a lot of the news that's on TV. You know, obviously they want ratings. Um, not to disparage reporters, I think many of them are excellent and they have a, a very specific job to do to get us the information that we need. But many of them are competing for eyeballs, and so they need to um, find a way to to do that. So um, you know they're hyping up. The, the information that's out there so that you'll watch them. And, um, and that can breed fear also.
0: Well, I'd actually say that um, they had to combat an under-responsive federal government and really push hard to wake people up to the reality so they would follow um, the rules that keep us safe. So I'm not sure in this particular um, news cycle that they're hyping up as much as people are saying. In fact, in the beginning, Fox News would say this is a hoax, and that is so dumb and dangerous. Um, so I think yeah. we could overcompensate by really sharing the facts of the dangers of this disease. And yes, I do prefer knowing the facts, and it is helpful and um, uh, for me. T- for me, it's helpful to know what's the newest modeling, what's the data, Um, But I do get emotional, um, mostly because I get so upset when I hear misinformation, when I see people doing stupid things that put other people at risk, and it really bothers me. Uh, So for me personally, I have studied Buddhism, and what helped me throughout my life having done that is the law of no attachment. So for me, you don't get too excited about the good things. You don't get too upset about the bad things. You don't get attached to the outcome. So just being in that moment with the fact-based information, um, helps me a lot. Now I did have to turn off the news because of all the misinformation that was coming out and the, um, presidential pressers that are just filled with lies and miscommunications. And I know we don't want to get political on this show, but this is over the line. This is like ridiculously over the line where, um, Absolute misinformation is being shared. And so I know that there are people who drink the Kool-Aid and whatever channel you watch, whether it's MSNBC, CNN or Fox or anything in between, you have that confirmation bias going on and I don't and it's frustrating. So I turned off the TV um, and dove into the modeling and the data and that made me happy.
2: So I have friends, and I was talking to one of them last night, and and the thing that we're doing is, and this may be a lot more east coast thing, but everybody is watching um, either the um, governor Murphy or governor Cuomo, and mm-hmm. that's where most of us are getting our information because it is fact based. So that's a great um, idea yeah we t- we tend to just watch their press conferences and yeah, follow yeah. none of the the national news because <laughs> because that's where we're finding the best source of information and uh, those are run live on facebook and i know like my local police chief does a daily digest of the information that we need to know and he's also doing a great job he posts that on facebook every day and uh and so i i really appreciate that too so that's been really helpful for me locally
1: yeah we've gone uh, on a bit of a news diet this week which was Okay. L- very very helpful um and I think my my husband has a knee-jerk rage reaction um when anyone has more than like three talking heads on a show <laughs> and, and and CNN especially has gotten into a place where I mean you just turn it on and it's nine people oh my god about something and, and so you know I find Lester Holt very comforting um, and so some days when it's like, I, I want some TV news, I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna give myself half an hour, we're gonna put on Lester with his calm demeanor and his soothing voice. Um, I trust that he does not have a, a wild, crazy agenda. And then we're gonna turn it off. Um, I've snoozed a lot of people, I have unfollowed a lot of people, um, trying to be judicious and when I'm on Twitter. But yeah, the news diet was, was very, very good for my mental health this week. Um, Interesting that both of you brought up confirmation bias, because I think in the digestion of news right now, I have absolutely caught myself with this, of, you know, there'll be a story about, you know, maybe it's a woman around my age, and I kind of tend to dismiss it, and then there was a story that people with um, B and O blood types might be less susceptible to the virus, and that's me and my husband, so I'm like, oh, well, this is science. <laughs> it's um have you caught yourself similarly um with the confirmation bias as you digest information?
2: He I think it's hard not to. Um I'm trying to think of a specific instance. I think more like in the earlier days definitely like if you see like oh, you know, people who are in better health are going to, you know, weather this a little bit better. Um so I, I heard the, the B and O blood types from my sister because she said everyone in her family has an O blood type. So they're going to be in much better shape than, you know, everyone else. Um, I actually don't know my blood type. <laughs> so Lindsay, I know. I have it written down somewhere and I can't remember where I put it. Cause I donated blood when I was a teenager. Um, but uh and then I got very sick so I, I can't do it um, I know it's terrible so I it's of no use to me now but uh you know it's it's really hard not to have confirmation bias because I think it brings you a level of comfort because people like to be right and by people I mean me I you know I like to be right so um <laughs> uh it's hard not
0: to um Susan I don't I don't know what you what you would say I love that you're that honest. Yeah, I agree. We love confirmation bias, but because of my background in comms theory, and because of what I do for a living now, I check for it. I check for it all the time. In fact, um, I agree with you about the talking heads on all the, you know, 24 hour news cycle cable news channels. Um, It's annoying. That's not the news. Those are not the reporters. Those are people who come on and they talk over each other. And it's, I don't do well in that kind of over you know sensory overload situation. Um, I like very calm, very pointed, very you know again, the delivery is is as much an important factor as the content. So I too like Lester Holt and his style and the way mm-hmm. he delivers he he can deliver bad news to me uh, and I feel better about it than someone who's like just really you know, over the top, delivering good news. Yeah, I'm like, he doesn't,
1: oh. Lester, uh, Lester doesn't celebrate the problem.
0: Yes, that's a great way to put it. He just delivers the facts. Yeah. yeah, I love that. So, yeah, I would say that, that same thing. But Lindsay, I think we all suffer that sometimes, um, which is why I feverishly research um, fact-based information. But when you have people saying, you know, well, why do you trust Anthony Fauci? You can't. I mean, trying to reason with some of those people is like giving medicine to a dead man. It's just right. no use. to Walk away. Um, but yeah, I love that you're that honest about it. We all we all do that. We all do that, and we all like to be right. Um, of course, no one wants to be wrong. Um, and and I'm the first to apologize if I am wrong. Or I'll start with. I notice about me, I start with qualifiers. Now I could be wrong, but da 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 da. da. That way I'm Mm -hmm. safe, you know? Do you do that? (laughs) You know, according to blah, 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 like I always post the source or share the the source to cover not just my ass, but to be considered credible. So um, yeah, I, I, I mean, you know, I think everybody suffers that it's human condition. It wouldn't be a comms theory if it weren't, right? Yeah, and I
2: think we're—it's so easy these days to get into fights on the internet because, especially now that tempers are so high and everybody's at home and everyone is an internet expert. So, um, I think you know a lot of us are using qualifiers because there's a lot of like nitpicking online. I made the mistake last week of getting into some arguments with people that I didn't even know, (laughs) which I knew as I was typing. That it was a mistake and i did it anyway which just tells you what a better state of mind i'm in this week um that i'm not doing that anymore but uh you know we had um we've had a lot of people i live at the jersey shore and so we've had a lot of people coming down to their second homes um to ride out the quarantine and finally our governor said you know please don't do that because yes you pay taxes down there but they don't have the infrastructure to handle you should you get sick. So, um, you know, that was the thing I was arguing with people about. Um, and uh, And Lindsay, Lindsay,
1: do you feel like the, um, the urge to argue might be you moving into the anger
2: phase? Oh, I was way in the anger phase. I I will, I will be quite honest about that. I was, I was definitely there. And I felt like I was, I, last week I would have said um, easily that I was very much in the acceptance phase, but once you had talked about the different phases of grief, I, I realized that what I was, instead of anxiety, my well, which actually it is anxiety, but my anxiety was actually coming out very much as anger and being short with people that I cared about. And, you know, a lot of like, why aren't you realizing this? Because I've realized it and everyone else should realize it too. You know, reacting to people's denial instead of with empathy, but with anger. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Can I say something
0: about that to you? Um, Yeah. I love that you brought that up. I'm doing an interview soon about listening with empathy in this digital age. Like now that we have to speak digitally, um, how we need to be careful of that dirty little uh, trick projection when we are texting or emailing or even on social because we don't have the benefit of tone, body language, facial expression, communication through nonverbal means. So it's great that you brought that up. That is something I think most people are struggling with just in general, but add the fear and anxiety that this coronavirus has put upon us and then you know it's exponentially worse
2: oh yeah and i tend to feel very self righteous about my ability to do that and i i have been very very bad about it the last couple of weeks i will admit that freely
0: well thank you for not being that way with me you've been nothing but awesome with me <laughs>
2: i'm i'm wor- I'm, I, I'm working very very hard on it this week because <laughs> i have not been super kind to everyone i will say
1: I feel your pain, Lindsay. <laughs> um, we can talk about anger next week. Um, you yes. yeah, to, know, to to wrap things up, and because I think we do want, ultimately, to help people cope. Um, what are the coping strategies for denial? We've, we've talked about the news diet. Um, you talked about um, teletherapy, medication if you need it. Mm-hmm. Um, Lindsay, you talked about meditation. And Susan, I love that you talked about tuning out the noise of the news and going to look at data. Um, if you are an intellectually curious person and if you find comfort in knowing what the facts are, going to straight to the facts, uh, kind of stripping away the, the noise. Um, what, what else is there?
0: For me, I like the, um, for, for application like easy to use tools, there are lots of great tools like the Calm app for meditation. Um, Even for storytelling, there's another one called Breathe. There's another one called Headspace. Uh, For me, reading is very helpful. I have books and books and books. I mean, I could build a house out of the number of books that I have in this house. So I take comfort in reading. I definitely enjoy podcasts. Um, and I, again, am the person who likes the, the fact-based stuff. So we talk about realities and we sit with the good, just like we sit with the bad. And then we decide what next steps are. But really living in the now is what's, um, for me, I mean, if I die tomorrow, it doesn't matter. Tomorrow doesn't exist. We just have right now. So appreciate the now. Be present. Uh, so that's very healing for me.
2: I totally echo what Susan said. I mean, you know, taking it moment by moment is really important. Um, I also give an endorsement to the Calm app. That's what I've been using for meditation. They give you a free week and then the premium part of the app is 69.99 for the year, but I will say that I, I know a lot of us are trying to save money at the moment and for people who have lost their jobs, it's very challenging to make that investment, but it is worth it. Um, there's a lot of tools in there. You can do a daily meditation. Um, there's a 30-day meditation teaching that they're doing. And then as Susan said, there's that storytelling part too. I'm, I'm using the nightly stories to help me sleep so that, you know, I don't have that sort of racing set of thoughts before I go to sleep. Um, I'm also taking a walk every day. I sometimes walk on my treadmill if it's raining or, you know, you can walk outside as long as you keep six feet away from everybody else. Yeah.
1: We've, we've been doing that too. And it's huge.
0: Nature is very healing. Yes, I agree.
1: The sunshine. Yeah. The sunshine has just been the best possible mood elevator.
2: Absolutely. And that's a good time to listen to podcasts too. And they, they don't have to be, you know, heavy things. You can find something that's light. There's a lot of funny podcasts that are out there. Um, So that's something that you can focus on too. Um, And I've been doing um, yoga with Adrian, which is a free uh, yoga um, video series on YouTube, she's got hundreds and hundreds of videos. I'm doing the home series, which is a 30 day yoga challenge. And I set it up with, um, on zoom with one of my friends and we do it every day together. So that's a way to stay connected with other people that are out there, but you're also doing something good for yourself. That's disconnecting you from, from other things. But I'd also say in addition to the news diet, think about a social media Reduction yes. as well. Um, you know, hit that, hit that news. snooze, hit the hide. Yes, yeah. As you as you said, Katie, like you know, make sure the people that you're connected to are the right people. Yeah. Try not to get wrapped up in some of the stuff that people are are sending out and putting out there.
0: So, I one thing about that, I Katie, you said unfollow. I have you know, the Facebook gods gave us the block button. I, I have come to love the block button, um, <laughs> you know, fear mongers and people sharing political BS and uh, you know, I, I, I just block them. I don't tell them anything. It just, it's like very cleansing, just block done. Yeah. You know, uh, another thing is folks, we're going to put all these resources in writing and um in our Facebook group after this is over. So if you didn't get to jot down all the great resources that Lindsay mentioned and that Kate, Katie's going to mention and that I mentioned, um, please know that you can go there and, and we'll have it in writing. Katie, what about you?
1: Oh, mercy. Sunshine, um, news diet. Um, and, I you know, I had a bad mental health day on Sunday. Um, it was kind of gray here. You know, baby was hard. Um, I ended up spending the day in my pajamas and I realized that just it was not a long-term strategy. Um, so I kind of made three rules for myself that I've followed all this week, which is one, put on real clothes.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Even if I'm not leaving the house, like the difference between, and it doesn't have to be, you know, a ball gown or a suit. Um, <laughs> but even go. if it's just a sweatshirt and jeans, it's, it's not my pajamas. So real clothes. Two, go outside. Um, even if it is kind of spitting rain we're at a point here in kansas city where it's it's spring it's nice it's not super cold um but getting out of the four walls of my house and three move your body um whether that's a walk or a workout um, i remember at the beginning of the lockdown i had these grand plans that you know i'm gonna work out every day and i'm gonna learn spanish and <laughs> turns out tomorrow. I don't. Right. I do not have, I do not have the mental load for that. And I'm having to give myself some grace. You know, these are not normal working conditions. Yeah. But I've just found that, you know, do the things, move your body, go outside, put on clothes. Um, it, it put me in a much better headspace. And, and Lindsay, I'm with you. This week has been much better than last. And then hopefully we continue that trajectory.
0: Yeah. This this will be week three for me. And I need to take your advice, Katie, because um, my son and husband go outside, they hike, and I'm still inside working and feverishly reading, and it's not healthy. Yes. And here I sit in my pajamas as we talk. So <laughs> I'm going to take your advice.
1: Oh, anyway. I haven't showered, but I'm in real clothes.
0: without <laughs> <So, laughs> showering. I haven't showered today either. It's fine. <laughs> well, good thing Zoom isn't scratch and sniff. <laughs>
1: exactly. Right. That's right. Um, I do have a baby who's awake, so I'm going to have to duck out sooner rather than later. Um, you, You ladies are always a pleasure.
0: You too. Thank you so much, Katie, for hosting today. And we will have another great podcast conversation about Keep Calm and Cope Coronacast next week. Uh, What is our theme next week or our topic next week? Um,
1: If we follow the five stages of grief, it would be anger. We may be able to do a a combo platter. I think we could do maybe anger, bargaining, acceptance. Um,
0: I don't know. I like the way we're doing this and breaking it down because there are four of us. Today we only had three, but there are usually four of us. And we also had a um, listener question. So on anger, she'd like us to address Particular struggles that she's having, and so I think that would be great. Um, well,
1: and I think you know, between me and Lindsay, we have anger down.
0: <laughs> I think we can talk all
2: hour on anger.
0: Not to say I've never been angry, but I do try to avoid it. So I'm looking forward to hearing um, next week's talk, and I'll probably do more listening than talking next week. But thank you, ladies, so much for your um, for your authenticity thank you so much for your courage to share who you really are and what you're really feeling and your day to day so i appreciate you take care bye bye
1: wash your hands
0: <laughs> okay mom bye <laughs> bye